This is the Italian American Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about their heritage. We talk to experts, authors, and everyday Italian Americans on all things Italian from traditions, culture, food, genealogy, travel, and more. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and I have with me my co-host, Dolores Alfieri, and we have an exciting episode for you today where we are going to be talking with genealogy expert Mary Tedesco, who is the host of the PBS show Genealogy Roadshow. And we recorded this previously because Mary had to get on a plane to go to Italy to work on the Genealogy Roadshow. And I have to say, and I think Dolores here will second it, she was not only amazing, but she squeezed it in before her trip and she just opened up in this episode and gave so much information. Right, Dolores? Yes, Anthony. I mean, I'm smiling just listening to you describe it because Mary was such an amazing guest. The energy speaking with her, you know, just coming from her and also between the three of us was just magical. I mean, it was wonderful. She has so much information. I feel like she saves our listeners months of research on just how to get started tracing their genealogy. And she does it in this beautiful, effortless personality that is just I don't know, super bubbly and down to earth. And um, just really, really happy to have had her on our show. Yeah, she was awesome. So let's dive into it so you can hear the interview with Mary. You can get the three steps that she basically lays out for you to start researching your Italian genealogy. And I want to, like all of our shows, I want to end this beginning segment with a quote that'll transition us into the main segment and the interview. And the quote today that we've chosen is from Linda Fisher, and it goes as follows. My family tree has many branches, both living and dead, but all equally important. I cherish the memories that make its roots run deep. All right, now it's time for the main segment of our show today. I'm honored to introduce our guest for today, Mary Tedesco. Mary is a professional genealogist, speaker, and author. She's the host and genealogist on the PBS TV series Genealogy Roadshow, which is about to start season three, as well as the founder of Origins Italy. Mary speaks fluent Italian and travels often to Italy, which she's going to be doing probably in about 24 hours, to conduct client genealogical research and visit family. Mary is the co-author of Tracing Your Italian Ancestors, an 84-page Italian research guide published by the Mooreshead Magazine. She holds a Bachelor of Arts in Mathematics from Boston University and a Certificate in Genealogical Research from Boston University's Center for Professional Education. In addition to her Italian ancestry, Calabria, Trentino, Alto Adige, and Tuscany on her father's side, she also has a deep American roots, German, Irish, Danish, and English on her mother's side, and is a proud member of the Daughters of the American Revolution. Mary's a member of a number of local and national genealogical societies and serves on the board of directors of the Massachusetts Genealogical Council. Welcome to the show, Mary. We're thrilled to have you. Anthony Dolores, thank you so much for having me today. It's great. Hi, Mary. Hey. <laughs> we are so appreciative. We know you're, you're getting on a plane because you're going to Italy tomorrow and we've got a lot going on. But of course, you spent the time to talk about Italian-American heritage, genealogy, and that's exactly what we're going to do today. My pleasure. Mary, we know that you, obviously, you're a genealogist, and we're going to talk to you about that in a minute. But before we even start, let's kind of start at kind of square one here for our listeners that don't really know exactly what genealogy is. Maybe you could just shed some light on that. Sure. I, I get asked all the time, how do I start with my Italian-American research? And there are so many aspects to genealogy that go so far beyond names and dates. We're looking at lives here. We're looking at the people, each individual ancestor, what they did back from our parents to our grandparents to our great, great, great grandparents, et cetera, and trying to find the information about these people's lives that may have been lost through our family's oral history over the generations. So people ask me, how do you get started? Well, the first couple of things that we need as Italian-Americans to trace our family back to Italy is, of course, our ancestral town or towns, because many of us come from a couple of places in Italy, and also, if possible, to get your ancestors' original name, because many of our grandparents, great-grandparents, they came over here maybe as Salvatore, and they ended up as Sam. So it's really important that, you know, they're not going to show up as Sam on an Italian record. They're going to show up as Salvatore. So any information you can get to, to get back to the origin of that would be super valuable before you start researching in Italian records. 
I laugh because I'm, I'm in the process of doing the research, and my great-grandfather, Gerano Salisi, is known as Jerry Salisi here in the United States, and I kind of have to go. Yeah, yeah. flush that out through some of the stuff that I was doing. All right, so we are going to get into some of the basic steps, and Dolores is going to kind of serve as an example in a few minutes here Yay. and do some work with Mary. <laughs> but before we do that, Mary, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got to genealogy, a little bit about your family history. And I know that might not be a one minute answer, but please take your time and elaborate a bit for us. I'm Italian American. Of course, it's not a one minute. (laughs) Come on, guys. guys. Uh, So of course, I am Italian American. I am half Italian. My paternal grandparents came from Italy. My grandfather is from the small town in Calabria. It's called San Pietro Maida. It's in the province of Catanzaro. And he came over in 1929. And my grandmother is actually from northern Italy, the town of Rovereto in Trentino Alto Adige. And she came over as a war bride. My grandparents actually met during World War II when my grandfather was an American GI. And she didn't come over until 1946. So that is, these two are the reason that I am Italian American and basically why I'm doing what I'm doing in genealogy was because listening to their stories and kind of experiencing the Italian-American family and wanting to know more about my grandparents and their parents and their great-grandparents, it kind of all fueled from my grandmother's kitchen. That's Mm -hmm. where it really all started, the journey. And I know for many of us, Dolores and Anthony, the the kitchen is the center of all the stories in many of the Italian-American families. Is that true for you both as well? 100%. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. In fact, <laughs> on our website, ItalianAmericanPodcast.com, the main homepage is a picture of my grandmother and I in her kitchen where I started having conversations with her, which was one of the ideas and inspirations for the podcast. And actually, at the end of each of our episodes, we're going to have kind of an Italian-American story segment where we play recordings from my conversations, Dolores. Hopefully, our listeners eventually will send us just some conversations with their yeah. Italian relatives about the stories that you're referencing, Mary, because really, like, and those stories are basically where we came from, which is for Dolores and I, which is why we really wanted to do this, because not only do we want to figure out where we came from, which is kind of a great way for us to do it through the podcast, but we also want to help thousands of Italian-Americans figure out the same thing. And right. Anthony and Dolores, I mean, uh, oral history within our families and really capturing oh, yeah. the stories of the older generation is where I tell most people to start. Yep. Because who in our families is most likely to have information about our ancestral towns or the original name of, you know, nonno, bisnonno, et, mm-hmm. et cetera? Mm-hmm. It's your grandmother, your great aunt, your great grandmother, yeah. somebody that's been around for a little while and that has met you know, the immigrants or knows the immigrant or is the immigrant, they're the, mo- the people that are going to have the most information about your Italian-American family or the- that older generation. So this is priceless. And I'm so excited to hear that you guys are doing that because that's what I've been doing. And that's yeah. where I got the initial information to get started. And I would say the majority of us Italian-Americans with you know, uh, more close ties to the immigrant, let's just say, we start always with the older generation. Awesome. And and Mary is also a host on the PBS show Genealogy Roadshow. Right. We're going to talk about at the end a little bit more, but how did that come about? Just because you were so passionate about this, tell us what happened there. Well, uh, on season one, there were two hosts, uh, my lovely co-host Josh and Kenyatta, and they were looking for a third host for season two, and of course now we're into uh, filming season three, and the two of them recommended me uh, to audition for this show, which I am eternally grateful, of course, because it's just so much fun, and uh, of course PBS uh, extended the offer to me to come on board and be the third host, and from there, uh, it's just been an incredible experience. I, I can't express enough that each one of the guests teaches me something about myself and something else about genealogy. And each of these stories is just so moving. And the people are so passionate. And this is their story. This is family. These are folks just like you and me. Mm-hmm. And they have incredible stories to be told. And if each of us looks hard enough, or in some cases, even not that hard, we can find incredible stories too. And that's yeah. something that not many people realize. And that's what we're all about on Genealogy Roadshow, is uncovering these incredible stories that maybe we didn't even we had. You know, Mary, I found that very much in my own life. Each one of our our relatives, they're like these treasure boxes. And I I find that most people just don't 
ask. Right. And I, I write a bit about on our website how, as for me as a writer and a storyteller, I don't. I just always asked. You right. know, if if you talk to my siblings, they're all older than me, but I'm the one who knows everything. It takes the one with the curiosity, as you're saying, right. Dolores. It takes mm-hmm. the one that just wants to know more, that is right. often turns out to be the family genealogist, which it sounds like you and I are. Yes. Um, the, the keeper of the family stories, yeah. uh, which in turn, you, you know, when uh, years ahead of time, mm-hmm. when Nona or Nonno uh, mm-hmm. has passed on and is no longer with us, we have these stories that are timeless, priceless, and will never go away if preserved like you're doing on the podcast. I mean, so that's priceless in every family. And I think as Italian-Americans, we we all have one of those story, uh, a record keeper in the family or a keeper of the family stories. And that's another person that's the best person to talk to about our family history. You know, who keeps all the stories? Who got the documents when Bisnonna passed away? That's the person you want to talk to in your family about your Italian ancestors. Absolutely. Yeah. And Dolores, you make a great point because I'm 37 years old and I just decided to start doing this research. And thankfully I have my four grandparents still alive. And I just asked my grandma and she gave me an envelope with all like her parents' birth certificates from Italy from like 1918 and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, I can't believe I'm, I mean, you know, I've been (laughs) going to my grandma for, uh, for dinner every Sunday for 20, 30 years. And I'm just asking this stuff now. And thankfully I'm getting the information and I was just able to hook up with her father's brother who went back to Italy. He had a whole line of family there and I connected with them and now I'm connected with them on Facebook and we're going to visit them in the summer. But it all starts with asking the questions, uh, like Dolores said, and and listen, if you're Italian American and you want to get started on this, I guarantee you that if you call up your grandparents and tell them you want to come over for lunch, not only will it be thrilled to talk to you about this stuff, but you'll have beautiful uh-huh. lunch with a lot of egg. I had eggplant parmesan last week. I had a <laughs> antipasto. I had everything. So take advantage of yeah. them while they're they're able to tell stories to you. And of course, there's so much kind of untapped data if you don't ask. I mean, right. that's the thing. Right. Uh, you know, grandma or you know, or whoever may not come out and tell you this right. great story unless exactly. you say, well, "Tell me about your dad." Yep. You know, who was he? What was his name? Tell me your favorite story about him. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is going to know that but her. That's Nobody. Right. And she probably wants to tell you, and it will probably make her day to tell you. I mean, I think that my my father's passed away now, but I think some of the best times when he was literally his most joyful was when I would ask him about Italy and about his family and where he had come from. He just loved, he loved that I wanted to know, and he loved that somebody would remember. It meant a lot to him. Now, on that point, guys, I'm a genealogist. I have to ask, tell me about your Italian origin, Dolores <laughs> and Anthony. I got to know. I'm a genealogist. I have to. <laughs> Go ahead, Dolores. Okay. This is like a huge treat for me. Okay. So both of my parents came to America in 1967 when, um, after they got married, actually. So I'm first generation, me and my siblings. And actually, my mother technically came in 1968. They were married for about a month, and my not even, I think maybe two weeks, and my father left first. My mother um, was raised in Baiano, so we're in southern Italy now, in um, uh, Provincia di Avellino, right? So it's mm-hmm. a little place called Baiano, and my father, an even smaller place called Saviano. I don't know if you've heard, you've heard, oh, wonderful. <laughs> so that's, that's the beginning. That's where it starts. Exactly. It all begins in our ancestral towns. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Anthony? So for me, I've been speaking with my grandparents and basically my grandfather, I guess my uh, paternal grandfather, his family's from Controne, which is a village in Salerno. I love that province. I've so been there beautiful. a number of times. Oh, great. I'm going to go there this summer. So that's one. And then my um, my maternal grandmother's family is from Albanella, also in mm-hmm. Salerno. And then my maternal grandfather is from Sicily, from uh, Syracuse. His, his family's from uh, Sortino, which is in Syracuse. And then my maternal grandmother's families from Sarno and Salerno. So primarily the Salerno region, but we also do have Sicily. And I, the, so far I've connected to the families in Albanella and then in, in Sicily and Sortino, and I'm going to be visiting with both of them this summer. So when does the plane leave? 
for Campania, I have to ask. Because <laughs> we got a lot of Campania there, which is great. Yeah. It's, an, it's an awesome place to be from in Sicily. It's just lovely, of course. Yes, we're excited. That's exciting, guys. How great. So so on that note, Mary, let's jump in here and let's talk about, you know, our listeners are hopefully listening, excited about learning about their kind of genealogy, their roots. Let's go through some steps that they can take. And if you want to utilize Dolores or myself as kind of an example, that'd be great. But just start to walk us through a little bit how they would start. Right. Now, as we were just talking about, Anthony and Dolores, you really want to tap into the oral history of your family. Ask your older relatives, ask your grandparents, uh, if they're still with us, information about your Italian-American origins. What's your ancestral town? What were the names of your grandparents, great-grandparents? Basically, as far back as the older generation will remember uh, is the best place to start. Ask also family members if there are any documents. Like, I believe you were mentioning, Anthony, your grandmother had a whole envelope of documents. Yes. You want to ask around in your family. That's a beautiful thing. You want to ask who's got the documents. Did they still survive? It's likely that somebody had a birth certificate at some point. Sometimes uh, they got destroyed or somebody moved and they accidentally got thrown out. But sometimes these records are still in our families. Do they have maybe a naturalization certificate or other paperwork, something like that? Uh, what year did you come to America? So you can look up passenger lists and so forth. So that's really the first step. Get as much information as you can right at home or on the phone, or if you have to go visit an elderly great aunt or something, get all that information first. Now, the information about ancestral towns sometimes is not preserved in our families. So I think one of the number one questions people ask me that are Italian-American that are, do not have the information about their ancestral towns is, how do I find it? Well, a couple of good document sets to look at are naturalization records, passenger lists, which can be found online on a number of genealogy websites. FamilySearch.org is one of those websites. So you want to find where your family is from. So you can trace them, you know, getting their birth, marriage, and death records, trying to locate their naturalization records, their passenger lists. Anything that might have the information of your precise Italian origins you want. Because you need that information to proceed back into Italian records. Because you can't just write to the entire region of Campania and say, you know, I'm looking for so-and-so Fasano. You know, they're going to be like, well, what, what, where? What, what do you mean? There's a few of those here. <laughs> there, there are only a few towns in that region because a lot of folks came over and they might be from, for example, a great example is, oh, I'm from Naples, but they meant, you know, the province of Naples, not necessarily Naples, Chita. Right. Right. So that happens quite commonly. Oh, or I'm from Palermo and they're from a town 20 minutes outside of Palermo. So we see that quite a lot. You know, it's like I say I'm from Boston. Well, I'm not from Boston, but right. that's the nearest geographical city. I'm from a city outside of Boston. So we even do it ourselves. I'm from New York. I'm from here. Yeah. I'm from there. So our ancestors did the exact same thing. So we really need to zero in on where exactly that's from. So after you've done the research, and for some people it takes us a week, and other people it could take us 10 years to get that information. So sometimes it's not always easy. From there, I would suggest delving into Italian civil records, which are a great first step and an entree into Italian records. And basically, this is the civil registration of Italy. So in various parts of Italy, it started any time between around 1808, 1809, all the way up till 1865-ish is when this started approximately. So it depends on where you're from in Italy. So once you have a name and a date and a location, you can either look, look up this information on microfilm or you can write directly to your ancestral mm -hmm. town, maybe a letter, an email. If you speak Italian, you might want to call them up and say, hey, you know, how do I request this birth record? Would you like me to send you an email? Uh, would you require payment? Something like that. So an email is great. Don't send the payment first, but send over and say, I'll be happy to pay for it. Let me know how much and in what uh, denomination, et cetera, that you would like me to do this. And then from there, you'd have grandpa's birth certificate or something like that. Your first step into your Italian genealogical research in Italy, which is, of course, what we all want to go for. That's great. When you say write to the town or to the village, do you mean like the actual commune or where do you write a letter to? Oh, that's a great question. So 
civil records in Italy are housed at an office called the Ufficio Stato Civile, which is the civil records office. So, for example, people ask me all the time, where do I get these email addresses? Where do I get these addresses? So you want to Google basically comune, which means town, and then D, D-I, and then put the name of your ancestral town and just Google that and look for the website of the town. And it'll be pretty official. You'll see kind of the, you know, the official seal of the town and it'll look like an Italian town. Of course, it'll be in Italian, but you want to browse that for this office, the Ufficio Stato Civile. And if there is an email address, you want to find it. If you can't necessarily find the email address online, you might want to write them uh, a physical letter, good old-fashioned snail mail. Or you could, if you speak Italian, you could call and say, I'd like to request the information. Would you like a letter? Would you like an email, et cetera? And really be accommodating to how they would like to receive the request whenever possible. That's excellent. Just for those of you listening, I know you probably have a pad out and you're writing all this information down. Don't worry about it because we're going to have everything on our website at Italian American Podcast forward slash genealogy. We'll have all of the show notes for this episode that will include a summary of everything Mary's talking about with links to all the websites she might refer to just to make it super easy for you. Before we go further, let me just, since I just literally did this, let me attach it a couple examples so far to these first two steps. So the oral history... I've been talking with my grandparents like we spoke about before. My grandmother gave me the envelope and it happened to have my great-grandfather's birth certificate in Albanella from 1918. So I was able to start and I had that document. And then going to step two, I didn't necessarily need to go to the records for that record because I had it. And that allowed me to find them that way. But I just wanted to give a little example so far. So go ahead, Mary. Keep, keep going on here. Right. And also on the birth record, this is a perfect segue into what's next. So on that birth record, more often than not, depending on what form of birth record you have, you will have his parents' names. So if that's your great-grandfather you're talking about, your great-great-grandparents, again, depending on the form of the record or the transcript of the record, will have his parents' names. So what you do, Anthony and Dolores, is you take that information, and then you would want to either request or look up on microfilm or online the marriage certificate for those two individuals. So Mm -hmm. you kind of take that date and you work your way kind of plus or minus from that date. Most often it's before that date, but, you know, not always. So you want to kind of work plus or minus from the birth date of an ancestor. Wow, that's awesome. Mary, my question is, I'm, I'm listening and it all sounds terrific. What if your family is something like mine, where, for instance, my mother she really remembers very little of her own grandparents and her own great-grandparents. And, I mean, she can't really even remember when her mother was born. She doesn't really know her mother's birthday, the culture that she grew up in. My mother grew up, you know, very poor. Everyone around her was uneducated. It was a tough life. It was a lot of suffering and a lot of struggling. And there wasn't really this focus on let's remember the family history. You know, it was right. just, let's make sure we eat today. Of so, <laughs> right, so what do you, what do you recommend for people who are in that kind of situation in terms of it's really difficult to get those, like I might have the names, but forget about me getting the dates of birth from anybody orally at least. Excellent question. Then the next thing, since it is her parents we're talking about, see if mm-hmm. she remembers the dates of death. Uh, From from the death records, there will be typically, if we get what's called the copia integrale, which is a Mm. copy of the original register. So on the death record, typically, but of course, not always, is an estimated year uh, approximation of the birth of the individual. And also, more often than not, the parents' names of the individual. So if your mother has a range, well, my mother died between approximately X year and X year, you could also contact the civil records office and say, I believe that my grandmother died between, I'm just throwing a date out there, between 1950 and 1953. Here is her name. Uh, We think her father's name was Giuseppe or whatever. Can you please try and locate that death record for us? Oh, that's terrific. Okay. Yes. So I would recommend that. Just ask around and see if you can get ranges for the dates of death for those individuals. That's probably the easiest way to proceed at this point. Yeah, that she does. She does have more of a a memory for, of course, she was older, she was already in America. And, you you know, you kind of tend, 
she was there. She was here when it happened. So once you have the estimated years of birth, then you either write back to the town or I don't know if you speak Italian, just call them up and say, okay, based on the information from the death record, I would like to get my grandmother's birth record. So your records say that she was probably born around, you know, I'm just throwing a data, around 1920, let's say, just to, you know, estimate whatever, right. mm-hmm. and say, can, can you find her in the records? That's probably the easiest way to proceed, especially if somebody in your family has knowledge of death dates or death ranges. Uh, Even a year would be great. Wonderful. And do you find that, um, in general, these municipalities are are responsive in a positive way when Americans are reaching out for this information? Well, of course. I I can't completely answer that for all Italian-Americans because I do run a professional research firm Mm. Um, and we have contacts, of course, in Italy. So right. the, the experience for, um, you know, my professionals and myself would be slightly different. So, right. you know, I, I never, uh, you know, tell people anything else but that because it's true. Makes but sense. I find that when people, Italian-Americans, approach the civil records offices and the city halls in a respectful manner, and if they don't speak Italian, at least try to use Google Translator or call a friend to try and get mm. that letter or that email and as close to the best Italian as they possibly can, that really goes a long way. It's just simple logic. I mean, don't send any rude messages and, you know, don't get upset if you may have to wait because these officials are extremely busy in the offices and we all have to remember and be respectful of that. So we may have to wait a month or a couple of months just because they may have a long queue of work. But if we send them kind of an angry message to whatever town, that decreases significantly the possibility of you receiving that record. If you say, well, what have you been doing? Or, you know, like make a rude comment. That's just, it's not good business practice or, you know, general general practice in the United States, Italy, or anywhere. Anywhere, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just use common sense, be polite. I mean, sometimes you may have to wait. Other times, it is quite a challenge. You may have to call in a professional to assist with the acquisition of the record. We've certainly done that for folks that may have a bit more of a challenge. But mm-hmm. generally, uh, you know, Italians are Italian. They're lovely people. They're, they're very accommodating as much as they possibly can with their busy schedules in the office. So more often than not, it's a good story. But again, there are cases when you do have to call in some professional assistance. Great. Yeah. And just to add to that, from my experience, I've had some success by being able to find someone in that town, maybe through, I mean, I had, obviously, I'm, I'm connected a little bit with the family, but right. I found a connection there that was able to go to the commune and get the information from me because I wasn't getting a response, like, by email, which is understandable. Like Mary said, they're sure. busy. Sometimes the Google Translate isn't as clear and crisp and stuff like that. So, you know, Dolores, I know you still do have some probably connections there, even if it's not your family, friends, or someone that might be able to take a ride. Mm-hmm. But that's something that could be extremely helpful if you have, if you can narrow it down, like Mary's saying, with the year of death, plus or minus a couple of years, that might be the, the way to go. Yeah, it's a great idea. It's always helpful to have boots on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> no, and sure. I definitely do. We still have a lot of family there, so that's great. So you should have no problem getting those certificates, Dolores, I would imagine. Yeah, believe it or not, I hadn't even thought of that, <laughs> which is why we love having you on the show. Well, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. Happy to help, Dolores. All right, so step two, you're trying to get these records, and now let's say you have, I, you know, you've gotten the birth records or death records. Where do you go from, from there, Mary? Well, basically, Anthony, you just keep going. I call it bootstrapping. So you have a birth record, which lists two parents' names, right? And then you get the marriage record for the parents. And then you have their parents' names. So you do bootstrapping. You bootstrap your way back. So when you get the parents' names off of the marriage certificate, then you want to request kind of the marriage record for the parents, the two sets of parents. And then you kind of work your way back, you know, in theory, in a beautiful world, back to the beginning of Italian civil registration. And then from there, you would go to the local parish church in your ancestral town or towns to continue this research. Now, the next question everybody asks me is, yeah, Mary, that's a lot of names and dates. How do I fill in the details of my ancestor's life? Well, you need the structure first. You need the the family pedigree, as genealogists call it, which is just a big family tree chart. So you need the names and dates in order to fill in the details. Because if you're looking the next set of records, which I would say notary records are a great way 
to proceed after you have kind of birth, marriage, and death, baptism, marriage, and death, to fill in kind of where was the family living? Did they own the property specifically? That's a great place to find out. Now, notary research is time-consuming, but it can fill in a lot of details about our ancestors' life. But I would allot a lot of extra time into notary research, and I would recommend, unless you're targeting a specific ancestor, to do it after you've exhausted the civil records and church records to kind of fill in the gaps and fill in the details. And there are a host of other records as well, like land records, for example, if they have survived, that can tell us a lot, various censuses, whether they be, you know, census equivalents, I should say, whether they be in the city hall or like land censuses as well, which can sometimes be found at the local Archivi di Stato. So you can really, you know, one document at a time, fill in the gaps of what the ancestor's life would have been like. I mean, pay attention to occupations because you really want to step inside the shoes of your ancestor. You can also conduct some historical research to see what life would have been like in this particular town. Many, of course, not all, unfortunately, Italian towns may have a booklet or even a full book, if it's a larger town, the history of community, whatever, you know, and not every town has this. But if there's a local history book for your ancestral town, you want to pick it up. Yeah. Because then you can see, well, what were the industries in this town? How did this town come to be? When was it founded? Who were the prominent folks in this town? Who was the first mayor? Things like that that are central to the history of your ancestor, because that would have been the environment your ancestor is living. So, Dolores and Anthony, it's much more than just names and dates right. for Italian-American research and Italian genealogy. We have tons of records in Italy, and of course, it'll take some time. It's not instantaneous to get through, but with enough determination and testadura, <laughs> we, can, we can trace the histories of our families. It's not impossible. We may need a translator. We may need to hire a professional, but we can do this. This is our history waiting to be discovered. Wonderful. Just a, an example of what Mary was talking about, you know, getting into the lives of your ancestors and their jobs. I actually found my great-grandfather came here, and then my grandmother was born here, and he registered for the draft here in America. So I found his draft card handwritten by him. Wow. wow. And what was cool was it asked him for his what his occupation was, and he wrote down self-junk dealer. Nice. <laughs> Wow. And and then my grandma, you know, went into telling me a whole story about he used to take the newspapers and then he used to sell them and he would sell whatever he could. He had watermelons. He got a truck of watermelons. He'd sell them. I mean, you know, they were poor and they were trying to make it. But the thing that was interesting is that, you know, I'm an entrepreneur yeah. and that kind of makes me feel like he was and he was, you know, he was creating his own way. And I kind of felt that connection with him. I just thought of that, Anthony, when you said that. I thought of you because, you know, I know you well and I know your family. And I was like, that's you. Like yeah. it's in your genes. So I'd like it's to amazing the parallels we find. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to take this moment to just interject like a little sidebar. I mean, you were talking, Mary, about like kind of recreating the lives of our ancestors. We just got on how, you know, Anthony, you're similar to this ancestor of yours. And I'm listening, and you know, when you were describing recreating their lives, it's emotional. You know, my heart is wells up when I think of it. My I I mean, you know, I'm kind of getting tears in my eyes. And I'm wondering, Mary, why do you think that is? Why is it such a drive and such this like visceral, emotional attachment to knowing these people and their lives? You know, you you can see like on the show, people get emotional when they hear about who their ancestors were. They what do. is that? And I mean, not to get too mushy, but our, our ancestors, <laughs> I mean, our, our ancestors are each a piece of who we are. And if it wasn't for each and every one of those individuals, we wouldn't be the people that we are today. And a lot of family influences, Anthony was discussing, the entrepreneurial spirit of Italian-Americans, yeah. which is in my family as well. I'm the, the fourth too. generation entrepreneur, mm-hmm. Italian-American entrepreneur in this country from my great-grandfather and grandfather who immigrated here and started businesses. But there are pieces of that, there are influences of that that we can find through genealogical records. And then the best that we can do sometimes is to speculate that this may be the parallel. Say, in my own family, to use uh, one of my favorite examples, is my great-grandfather, of course, immigrated here and stayed with my grandfather as a young, you know, when he was a young boy. Now, 
they weren't the first Tedescos in America. My great-great-grandfather also came to America but didn't stay. He went to Philadelphia, mm. and the family lore is that he worked on the railroad in Pennsylvania. Wow. There aren't really any documents to confirm his presence in Philadelphia because he didn't stay for very long. So he wasn't there in a census year, et cetera, not picked up in any city directories, what have you. But we only know he was there, of course, from passenger lists. And then my great aunt and my grandfather saying, oh, my grandfather came here to work on the railroad. But then he returned to San Pietro Maida in Calabria. And that's where he lived out the rest of his life and died as a farmer for whatever reason he didn't remain in America, but right. his son took his family to America. And that's why my family is, of course, here today, the Tedesco. Yeah. America is because the next generation came and stayed. But would my great-grandfather had had the specific idea to come to America or the, the influence to come to America if it wasn't for his father? Maybe or maybe not. Right. Right. I, I mean, it's just speculation. Yeah. So we can speculate that perhaps he was strongly influenced by his father's stories from America to go and check mm. it out himself, right. which is great. I mean, how did each of us get there? It's each a unique and amazing immigration story. Absolutely. And each one of them is different. Oh, my cousin called. He said, you know, Boston is really great. Or I heard about a job, you know, if it's right. like, you know, your grandfather. Oh, he said, come to Philadelphia because there are jobs here. I can get you a job. Right. So, there are so many reasons, so many precious stories that we have, Dolores and Anthony. Yeah. My, both my parents and my grandparents did not intend to stay here. Yep. So it was just supposed to be to come for a little while to work, save money, and to go back. And my father always wanted to. I mean, even when we were, we were like grown and there was no way we were going back to Italy. He always still like this kind of, you know, lark dream of his. And the reason they stayed was because my mother was like, no, I'm staying. Right. She loved America. She said there was nothing for her in that little village anymore. So, she, you know, but it's it's a whole family line that was a, our whole futures, our, all of our descendants dictated by that one decision. We're staying. Exactly. And people don't realize, and we talk a lot about it on Genealogy Roadshow, immigration stories, reasons why people do things. But the decision at that time period, especially, you know, I'm talking like turn of the 1900, et cetera, the turn of the century, for somebody to make a decision, and we didn't have, they didn't have TV back then. We didn't have Twitter. We didn't have all these photos online of what our various towns in America were like for people to see. We just kind of had letters going back and forth, yeah. or maybe a couple of photos of New York City and stuff like that, but not extensive information like we have today. Some more. So to make that decision to really venture into the great unknown to a place where the majority of Italians that were arriving didn't know English yet, of course, many mm -hmm. of them did learn for work and, uh, you know, for many reasons, of course. But to not know the language, to come to a totally unknown city in the United States, sometimes it was as far west as California or any of the 50 states, you will find uh, descendants of Italian immigrants. Right. So that journey was quite incredible when we think about that. And we owe them everything. We owe them yeah. a lot. Well said. Just to add, Dolores, to what you said, or at least I guess to respond from my perspective, was that, you know, I just kind of felt all of a sudden that we weren't always here in the U.S., my family. Somebody gave up their life in their native country and decided yeah. to come and try to make a better life. So I wanted to understand how that happened, why it happened, and how we ultimately ended up here. And I think just that desire alone really got me going on it. And then once I started researching, I found all other people doing, it. I found all kinds of resources and all kinds of interesting things like that draft card that said self junk dealer and other things like that, where you start to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm so, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't start to mm -hmm. look this stuff up right. and like, for my kids, like letting them learn about it now, because you know, my grandparents are getting older and if I'm not the one to get all this information, then my kids will never know yeah. about it and their kids and et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of my thoughts. That's right. We stand so on so many shoulders. We, we really, really do. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think it's so important. I mean, uh, we Italian-Americans are all about our families. And I think I speak for yeah. many people that say that. Yeah. But researching our Italian genealogy, our Italian-American genealogy, really honors our grandparents, our great-grandparents. I mean, the, the entire line, the immigrant story, the journey, it honors the sacrifices that they make. And I knew as soon as I saw 
the reaction of my grandparents and uh, my Italian grandfather is still with us, but he's just so excited to see that long line of Tedesco's back in San Pietro Maida and to know like how deep our roots were in this Italian ancestral town that he is so proud to be from. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would think it was the greatest place in all of Italy. (laughs) I love it. I mean, you would think that there were no other towns in Italy. Forget Rome, forget Naples. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) And it's the greatest place on earth. Many of us have that impression from talking to our grandparents, and I was, I'm sure the two of you also, I always knew where my family was from because my grandfather used to talk about his town all the time, and right. that's, that's a gift that not all Italian-Americans are blessed with, but doing genealogical research, we can reclaim that. We can find that again. There is hope. So, Mary, let me ask you this question. We talked about uh, having the oral history, getting the conversations going, extracting whatever info you can, then utilizing it to try to get any kind of civil records like your marriage records, death records, marriage records, land records. And I know this won't work for everybody because not everybody has family still in Italy alive, living. But if you were to have family in Italy after going through these first couple steps, what are some things that you might be able to do to actually connect with them and get to talk to them, meet them, send them a letter? What are just a couple of things you might be able to try? That's just a a great point. So a lot of the connections we might be able to make, especially in smaller towns, are to look people up in the Italian white pages, especially if you're coming from a smaller town. So in my grandfather's ancestral town, there are only, I think, seven entries for Tedesco. You know, so it's kind of like you're almost bound to find that. If you wrote seven letters, kind of like a form letter, and say, look, I'm the descendant of so-and-so, he went to America in this year. Do you think we're related? So some people will never respond to that. Some people will respond to it. Or, you know, if you speak Italian, just give a call and say, look, I'm very sorry to bother you at home, but I would love to know if we're related and if we could just have a cup of coffee, because that's really all I want. All I want is to meet you. You know, I don't want any obligations. You don't have to invite me over, which they probably would. (laughs) But just say, you know, can I buy you an espresso the next time I'm there? And, you know, more often than not, these, you know, blossom into amazing relationships that last a lifetime. Yeah, that's that's wild. I mean, try to contact them. There's no guarantee that anybody would be responsive, but if you're able to get an address, say, from the white pages, or you can have a a friend who speaks Italian call them or a known relative in Italy call them, which is is probably a very easy thing, an associate in Italy of some kind, and just say, you know, I I don't want anything. I'm I'm not looking for anything. Can I just meet you? Can I just invite you to get a coffee? That could spawn a lifetime of a beautiful relationship and many trips back to the ancestral town. Now, that doesn't always happen, but Italians are typically extremely friendly people and lovely people, accommodating people. So if they were to get a call or a letter and they're inclined to respond, I'm sure that they would want to meet you for an espresso just yeah. to say hello. I would imagine. I mean, not I, in every case, but I would imagine so. I actually had a coworker, an, an ex-coworker who that happened to, and, and her relations were very distant at this point, but, but her and her husband were, I remember her coming back and telling me they were in Italy at this, she's showing me pictures of this huge long family table with these distant Italian relatives of hers. And it was because she put some muscle into it and she did the bootstrapping, as you would say, and they're still in touch. And it was so beautiful. I was so proud of her. That's amazing. Exactly. And the other way to be, I mean, if you're not able to write an Italian letter, if you're not able to make a phone call in Italian to somebody in ancestral town, if you're anywhere near your ancestral town, go by stop in the the main piazza, especially if it's a small town, one of the coffee shops, and just say, look, I'm a Tedesco, I'm a Fasano, I'm whatever, and I'm just looking for any relatives. You know, they'll they'll probably, from my experience, is like somebody in the cafe will make a call within like 25 minutes. Yeah, I bet, yeah. I've heard that, yeah. So Mm -hmm. that's happened to me multiple times. So they'll find a connection if it exists. Um, Again, because Italians are just such generally lovely people and very accommodating and they and they want to get to the bottom of a good mystery too if you're an american (laughs) in town they want to know what you're doing there and who you are connected to it's exciting for them too right yeah it is and just to give you my own story here because this is all really relative to me right now i used a website i don't remember it but i'll i'll put a link in the show notes to it and basically i found 
you can put the town in, you can put the last name in in Italy, and it gives you the addresses, kind of like uh, Mary referred to. And I know that my grandma's sister and brother went to visit the family in Albanella about 10 years ago, but they're older, and they they told us a lot about them, but they didn't really remember addresses and stuff like that. So I found their addresses on these websites. I sent a letter by mail in Italian using the Google Translate, and I put my Facebook URL on it. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, it is. And sure enough, one of the relatives connected with me and asked me if I knew these people. And it was a picture of my grandma's brother and sister who were there with them like 10 years ago. So we kind of confirmed it. And now, which is probably, I would say, like the ultimate of genealogy research is I have instant access to her on the Facebook chat whenever I want. And we chat back and forth and we're going to visit them this summer. And what she told me was, you know, we'll give you some nice hotels in the area that serve breakfast. But she said the dinners are mandatory to be with us every night. Yeah. Well, that. that sounds like an experience I hear about often. Yeah. I mean, that's, of course, we can't guarantee exact experiences, but that's been my experience as well, is that when you make a connection with a cousin or another relative in Italy, they just, it's almost an automatic invitation to Sunday, you know, afternoon lunch or that's dinner right. or some kind, because they, they want to know you. I mean, that's, that's part of who they are, too, is the, uh, the branch of the family that went to America. So that's just a, it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful thing. I have the same type of experience in my own family. And I look forward to taking future generations of my own family to meet these people. I mean, this connection mm-hmm. is not going to end anytime soon. It'll be, if I have anything to do with it, multi-generational. This will not end. Right. How lovely. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. So I want to start to round out the segment here because I want to talk a little bit about the roadshow as we end off here. But before I do that, Mary, just first of all, let's recap. There was three key steps that we talked about just for the basics, just getting started, which was having those conversations with your grandparents, you know, whoever you can have access to start to get those records, use years, use dates, contact the commune. And then third step, which we just talked about is, you know, write letters to people call people. Don't be afraid to ask and try to connect with them because a lot of uh, Italians will be very open to it and will be interested. I mean, not all cases, but you'll be surprised. So you could follow those three steps. And, you know, if all goes well, we plan to have Mary come on in the future and we'll do some more an advanced episode where you can start to take some of the next steps. But we want to just kind of take it one step at a time here. But Mary, what I wanted to ask you was, and I'm sure we're going to have plenty of episodes about this on the podcast. As far as learning Italian, is that something that you did when you were young as a kid or or in your adult years? Great question. So, of course, I grew up with Italian-speaking grandparents. So there was some Italian floating around the house. My, My grandmother was actually a teacher of Italian for kids in the English as a second language, so kids that would come over from Italy, and she was one of the teachers of those kids. So she was already a teacher. And so she would kind of give me these ad hoc lessons, I would say, or just very informal, teaching me various words and stuff and correcting my pronunciation. So I had that. When I was 16 years old, I went to Italy for the first time. And of course, I was not fluent. I could understand here and there a few things from my grandmother. But after that point, when I met my relatives that were living in Rome, I said, I need to get to know these people on a personal level. I said, it would be just a disservice. Even at age 16, I said, there's something so special about these individuals and the amount of love that I feel that I really need to get to know them. And to do that, of course, since they didn't, they don't speak very much English, I would need to learn Italian. So as soon as I got to college at Boston University, the first thing I wanted to sign up for was Italian classes. Mm. So I, I started taking Italian classes. And of course, my family traveled to Italy many more times after that. And I studied abroad in Italy. And my Italian, of course, grew to fluency. And that's really how I learned. I was motivated by family years before I knew what genealogy was. I just wanted to connect with my family. I wanted to ask them all these questions. And little did I know that this skill, this language gift, really, that was given to me by my grandmother would become an integral part of my career. I couldn't imagine doing my career in you know, an efficient manner, let's just say, without knowing the language, without having a firm grasp on the language, without being able to read it, without being able to pick up the phone and call an office if I need to, or when I'm on the ground in Italy researching to ask a question directly yeah. without using a translator. It's become the basis of my entire career. But who would have known that at age 16? So right. I was honored to be able to be inspired by family 
to learn Italian to do something that's really all about family. So that's really how my linguistic journey began. And of course, uh, tomorrow when I leave for Italy, it'll be my 15th trip. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. And I was asking because, I mean, we're going to have definitely some episodes just focused on that. But I think a lot of times people get discouraged because they feel like if they didn't grow up with it and they didn't learn it as a child, that they can't learn it. I started learning Spanish a year ago intensively for work and some training stuff that I was doing. And now I'm starting to learn the Italian. Italian's easier with the Spanish base, but just learning a new language is feasible at later in life. You just have to be committed to it. And again, we'll have an episode with that. I've I got a lot of experts that I met and different things you can try. But, you know, I kind of just want to reinforce that on on the episode that don't think it's something that's unattainable because people always say, well, kids learn languages easy, but kids are learning because they're around it and people are talking to them in it all the time. So if you put yourself and there's websites and ways you can put yourselves in those kind of situations for Spanish, I use a website where I try to talk to someone a half an hour a day, which helps a lot. So that's a great idea. That really is. Excellent yeah. idea. It's not impossible if you're determined enough to learn the Italian language or to do anything, actually. It is possible. But, of course, learning a language or doing anything else that's difficult, it requires work. You know, you may need to take an immersion class or, as yeah. Anthony mentioned, talk to somebody online, which I think is a, it's an amazing idea for half an hour a day. It's, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You need to find an immersion if that's not available around you. But, of course, going to Italy... And going to your ancestral town, especially if it's a smaller town, not everybody may speak English, talk about that's like the best way to learn the language is to go over there and just be immersed, even if it's for a week, you know? Right, exactly. So the angle that I'd like to bring to the podcast when it comes to language is actually a kind of third experience that is my experience. And I actually find that a lot of people have this, which is I did grow up speaking Italian and I grew up around Italians. And when I go home, everyone's still speaking Italian. It's the dialect, of course, Napolitan. I did study proper Italian in college, but there's a kind of whole batch of us that we grew up with the language, but mi vergogno, you know, you get embarrassed. You grew up and you would be this American kid and you can understand everything everyone's saying, like it's your own language. And then you would go to speak Napolitan, which is this very, you know, accent particular, right? With Such the dialect. a common story, yeah. Right, it's very common, exactly. Such a common story, Right, yeah. and you would say the words out of your mouth and your, you know, loving and well-meaning relatives would laugh. Yes. Because it was cute. But you're this little kid and you're like, oh, great. Well, when I speak, you know, your brain's going, when I speak Italian, they laugh. I'm not going to speak Italian anymore. And that's what happened. Right, because so many of my friends here in the United States... In Italy and my ancestral towns, they speak the dialect at home. And of course, this is not in every household. I'm not saying that it is. But in many households that I'm aware of, they speak the dialect at home. And then, of course, when they go to their school, to their grammar school, liceo, high school, they learn, of course, the proper Italian. But at home, it's always in the dialect. And I know even even more so here in the United States, that's the case. But we Italian-Americans are sometimes, it's not missing the piece, but we don't go to school in Italian. So a lot of us, the dialect is the only thing that remains. And I'm kind of a dialect junkie. I I just really, I just really love them. I find them to be very endearing and a part of our history, but that's part of the history of the town, Dolores. And, you know, I would absolutely ignore anybody that would laugh at an (laughs) accent or a a word that slips or whatever, because in speaking the dialect in the homes in the United States and in Italy, we're preserving the history of the town. So I just kind of ignore people that would would ever say that if you're in Italy. Because in my own mind, you know, that's the dialects are so precious. And I'm, I'm so crazy about each one of them and the accents. And even if you move to the next town over, it's a different, slightly different accent, slightly different dialect. It's so precious, Dolores, like never lose that. Record your parents speaking in the dialect or other family members. It's living history. It really is it's so yeah. precious. Yeah. I'm getting a little better as I get older. You know, you're kind of, you know, when you're younger, it's one thing, but you get older and you're like, okay. But when I go to Italy and I speak to my relatives, I feel like it's like a bastardization of like proper Italian and Napolitano and like New York Italian American. (laughs) And I mix it all together and I communicate with them. (laughs) And it works. (laughs) It works. It all all ends up working because at the end of the day, 
Are you communicating? Yes. Uh, if there are any linguistic hangups, you can always correct those by exactly. future state. Right. I mean, the point is, especially with Italian relatives over in Italy, the point is to communicate. Is my Italian, I'm, I'm a lifetime student of the language, is my Italian at this point perfect? Absolutely not. My Italian next year will be better. The year after, in 10 mm -hmm. years, it'll That's probably be much better because we are continuous students. Every time I go to Italy, there's an improvement in my spoken Italian. And uh, that's why I always tell people it's just, you know, we've never actually arrived. The language journey or the journey to become a genealogist, a better genealogist, is never over. We're continuous students, you know, like and in any profession, in any skill, it's the case. I definitely want to encourage our listeners, like through my own doing it myself, to just throw it out there, right? Just say it and speak it, whatever, you know. Don't the, be embarrassed. The exactly, to not be embarrassed. So we'll see how because that goes. Because it doesn't matter. <laughs> if, somebody, if somebody wants to chuckle or whatever, just laugh right along with them. You yeah. know, get it. You know, my, my parents came over here. They knew Italian, but they didn't speak Italian in the home. I was like, that's the same thing here, right? But I didn't go to school in Italian like you did. So, you know, right. get over it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, like I was that. just... When that happens to me, and of course, my relatives sometimes chuckle because yeah. I have a slight American accent, of course, because I was born and raised in America and didn't learn Italian until yeah. uh, a later age. And that's part of who I am. That's not something I would ever deny. You know, you know people talk to me, and of course, I'm fluent. And they say, oh, where's your accent from? Oh, America. Oh, I'm Italian-American. So it starts a conversation, too. There's nothing that anyone should ever be embarrassed about when learning a language or a new skill. Uh, just do your best. And if, uh, you know, folks think it's entertaining or whatever, just laugh right along with them. All right. Good stuff. So we're going to round out the segment now. And I want to talk just a minute about uh, the new season of the Genealogy Roadshow. Yes. All right. So yeah. Mary and the PBS team are currently filming episodes coast to coast for Genealogy Roadshow season number three. The third season includes great Italian-American stories, and it's going to premiere on May 17th on PBS with a diverse cast of participants from cities around the country, including Boston, Providence, Miami, Houston, Los Angeles, and Albuquerque. Dolores and I will be tuning in for sure. We're super excited about it. Definitely. I hope so. Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> Mary, what can you tell us about the show? Well, the show, Genealogy Roadshow on PBS, is really the coolest thing that I do as a genealogist. It gives me the opportunity to share incredible stories with each one of our guests, whether they be Italian-American or from another nationality or ethnicity. These stories that each of us have are so precious, and I'm continuously honored by the diversity that I get to share with these guests and the people that I meet. Each one of these guests really touches me in a different manner. You know, I learn something about myself right along as the guest is learning something about mm. their own heritage. So we all have to remember Anthony and Dolores, and we've talked a little bit about your own individual stories. We all have such cool stories. So imagine how many other stories we're going to find when we start digging. And that's a huge part of what Genealogy Roadshow is all about. You, me, the next guy, the neighbor, we all have cool stories. Let's talk about them. You know, let's yeah. share them. You can share them with us if you have a really cool story story, you can write into Genealogy Roadshow and apply to be on the show at genealogyroadshow.org. But we all have something. Grandma told me something. You know, I want to know if that's actually true. Can you Definitely. guys I mean, that's yeah. that's the kind of thing that we're looking for. There was a strange occurrence in my family. Is that actually true? Mm -hmm. That is awesome. So, you know, this and so much more. And of course, we can't talk about any spoilers, but I guarantee you this <laughs> season is going to be so much fun based on the, the three cities we've already filmed in. But there's some surprises this season. There's some things that you will not really expect. Uh -oh. wow. So you're going to want to see it starting May 17th. You're not going to want to miss it. That's awesome. We'll be tuning in. And again, in the show notes for this show, which will be at ItalianAmericanPodcast.com forward slash genealogy, we'll include a link to Genealogy Roadshow Season 3. We'll include a link to Mary's company, Origins Italy. And Mary, where else can people connect with you? Twitter, what's a good spot that they can keep up with what you're doing? Well, I just wanted to briefly announce that if any of your listeners want to join us for one of the Genealogy Roadshow filmings, they can do that in the three remaining cities. So it would be Houston, November 22nd, December 12th in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then January 15th and 16th in Los Angeles. So they can connect with me actually by coming and being at the Genealogy Roadshow event. 
That's great. Otherwise, they can contact me at www.originsitaly.com, and there's a contact form on there. My firm deals primarily at this time with in-depth family history research projects. So if you want to go far beyond names and dates and really get in-depth and find potentially hundreds or even thousands of ancestors, you can commission a project with us, and we would just love to, to hear from you. So cool. <laughs> it really is. That is so awesome. Mary, thank you again so much for coming on the show. We know that you're getting ready to go to Italy. You took the time. We so much appreciate it. And we're definitely going to be calling you to come back on and do some more stuff around genealogy in the future. It would be a pleasure. Dolores, Anthony, thank you so much for having me. It's just been so much fun. You guys are great. This was great. Thank you, Mary. Lovely to meet you. Likewise. Ciao. Now it's time for the Italian-American story segment of the show we're going to jump into now. All right, this is the part of the show where we try to bring you back to your family gatherings, conversations, and we try to play a recording or a story from one of our relatives. And, of course, we'd like to collect your audio clips or messages, too, about your traditions, and I'll tell you how you can send them to us in a minute. But in today's clip, you're going to hear my grandmother tell a really interesting, kind of heartwarming story. When her father had no job, when they just emigrated kind of to New York City, and he didn't have a job, the family had four kids, the family was starving. And she talks about how Mayor LaGuardia helped him feed the family and get a job. And this is a pretty cool clip. Check it out. Grandpa tried to find a job. He couldn't find a job. He went one day with little my brother and he went into this office and this man was smoking a pipe and he had his feet up on the desk. And my father said to him, I'm looking for a job. There was no work. You know, then there was the WPA. I don't know if you know about history. It was a workman's compensation. Okay. And Grandpa wanted a job, and he couldn't get anything. And then my father said to him, you got the nerve to sit there with a cigar in your mouth, and I got four other children at home plus this. Aunt Rita wasn't born. And he said, and I'm looking for a job. Grandpa got up and walked out. He came home and was very, very upset. And he spoke to a friend of ours who was English speaking. See, we didn't speak English. When we went to school, we learned English. And uh, she wrote a letter to Fiorella LaGuardia. And till this day, I regret the fact that I never thanked the LaGuardia family, and I wish if you could find something on the computer where I could reach one of them in my old age, I would like to go to my grave thanking one of the people in that family. So this person wrote a letter to Mayor LaGuardia? Mayor LaGuardia, uh, she wrote to Mayor LaGuardia, she said, Mayor, we have a family that has five children, he fought the war in World War I, he was in the military, he cannot find a job. Well, right after that, on the eve of Thanksgiving, Mayor LaGuardia sent someone over, and they brought baskets and baskets of food, fruit, and clothing for us. Little to say what the clothing was like, you know, (laughs) practically down to our feet. Yeah. But at least he sent it to us. I never had the opportunity to thank him. Anthony, if you find anything about Mayor LaGuardia and his family... Right. Let try, try hard, yeah. so that I could send a, a thank you or something. I could send a thank you card to them. I really would like that before yeah. I die, and I'm sure. And he got a job from that. Or no? He got him a job. He got him a job. Got him a job. All right, so Dolores, I'm sure that you know that was not only was it a cool clip, but I'm sure you've heard stories like that, and we're going to have a lot of stories like that in the Italian American Stories segment of the show. Yeah, I, I think that that clip kind of shows, I know it was a little bit more back in the day, but um, it shows the kind of close-knit community that Italian-Americans can be. And as you know, of course, I grew up in the late 80s and 90s in a similar community, so it certainly hasn't died down. But that culture of we're here for each other, and um, even if we don't technically have blood in our veins, you know, we're family. Right. And you kind of heard that on the interview that we just had with Mary Tedesco. 
where she's very much like that. And even after the interview, she told Dolores and I that she's going to come back on the show. She's going to come help us however she can help us to get guests. And that was, again, that kind of togetherness that you kind of feel with other Italian-Americans. So it's something I think that will be pretty much a running theme through the, all the episodes of the show. And along those lines, we want to hear your stories. If you go to ItalianAmericanPodcast.com, you can click on the red button on the right side of the site, tell your story, and you can record your own story. It could be a tradition. It could be a funny story about something with your grandparents or your great-grandparents or your parents or whatever the case may be. And we will try to integrate them into the Italian-American Stories segment of the episodes. Also, you want to check us out on Facebook, Italian-American Podcast, and Twitter. We are at ITAL-American. That's I-T-A-L-American. So be sure to connect with us on Twitter. Tweet us anything. Tweet us what you want to hear, what you want us to talk about on the show, guests you want us to try to get. And lastly, don't forget, you can go to ItalianAmericanPodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter, and you'll get the new episodes delivered to your inbox as soon as we publish them. And you'll also be the first to know about new resources we're creating for Italian Americans. Again, that's ItalianAmericanPodcast.com, and we will see you on the next show. Ciao. Grazie mille. Ciao.